City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. Limits. <laughs> Andy gives us the 3-2-1 and that must be the one. We're now down to naught. We're down to minus something, minus something, minus. We Say something, Kevin. Say the, <laughs> the show goes into minus and... Um, <laughs> As usual, we've only got another week to go after this, John, but John McPherson's in the studio. It means it's the first Wednesday of the month. It's transport day. And uh, we are going to finish up next week, John. We're going to, yeah. we're going to bring housing forward a week. April okay. break's coming in to sum up the year there. Yep, yeah. Uh, because the third Wednesday, we normally go to the third Wednesday, yeah, but the third yeah. Wednesday in this year is the 21st of December, right before Christmas. Yeah, so. yeah. So we're going to have yeah, you I think so. It. Could be yeah. give yourself a little, little more oh, of a break. Yeah. Nothing like it. Well, you're, you're staggering towards the end of the big oh, year. <laughs> staggering. <laughs> Wouldn't call it a big year, but staggering's always <laughs> this time of year. It's always staggering, John. <laughs> and of course, once we take the break, there's a bit more staggering, but that's different reasons. Um, but anyway, mm. yes, 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 yes. But we'll sort that one out. Uh, I still haven't got my new, haven't got my glasses re- replaced either. I'm oh, okay. wearing the previous tucked together reading ones, which is a bit stupid. Oh, dear. I must must try and do it before Christmas. Uh, I'll get round to it. Well, I only think of it when I come here, usually. Um, but anyway, here we are. Uh, and, uh, John, transport, mm. there's been so much happening. We'll get on to that because uh, there's a hell of a lot. Uh, one, one we could just best well kick off with, because um, mm. I find it fascinating, the government's talking about... Um, and I suppose it's on top of the overnight um, backflip completely on charging anything for polluters to pollute. Yeah. So we continue with the policy called, you know, indirect action or direct, direct sort of, inaction or I something. I mean, we're, we're supposed to get all excited by, you know, Frydenberg. He was supposed to be the new new broom, wasn't he? Yeah. He's looking pretty gormless and well, silly he's, now. He, but he's energy minister and environment, and I think he, yeah. I think he sees the energy bit as much more important. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, they've backflipped, which shows that the real power there lies with their extreme right wing, anyway. Well, yeah, it's frightening. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, nothing, nothing gets past that that extreme right wing. So their policy is still to just hand money to the polluters Mm. and have Mm. no no impact, whatever. But I raise that because while they're handing money to them, they're also Mm. talking about handing billions to Adani. For a coal mine that shouldn't be there in mm. the first place mm. to mm. build a railway line. Now, mm-hmm. we cannot get money off the federal government for railway lines or any no. public transport or very little in, in in urban areas that need them. But they're prepared to yes. put up billions to build a railway line just to serve one company yep. and a railway line that will take it to a port which will impact on the barrier reef. So. Hmm. The whole thing in every aspect is a total disaster. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll pour a cup of tea while you're talking. Right. Well, let's you know <laughs> even going going back a few steps, there are coal mines all over Australia that are that are available exactly. for sale. You know, um, because because the current owners can't make money out of them. If Adani wants to import huge amounts of coal from Australia, it would be a whole lot cheaper for them to buy some of these coal mines that are already um, up and running and available for sale. Rather mm. than rather than go in for this huge um, anyway, yeah, huge white yeah, elephant yeah. in the outback of Queensland, and I heard, um, 
So, you know, if Adani is at all rational, and by the way, I don't think they are. I think the whole thing is a boondoggle and it won't happen. Mm. Well, it's got financial problems, obviously, yeah, including ones. needing federal money to build a railway line. Yeah, but not, not only that. That's, that's only the start of it. Adani itself is, is not a well-capitalised company. It's... It's in big strife in India and many of its mm. other projects. And indeed, it's on that. It's it's um, it, it's environmental record in India is a disaster. Yeah, yeah, but that's not good. That obviously doesn't worry our government here. No, so, no. I, so I think I think um, the federal government and the state Queensland state government are just whistling in the wind. They just want something to appear to be happening. Um, the Queensland state government has got an election not too far in the future. That they want it to appear to be happening to uh, to help um, the Palaszczuk government get back. At the next election, mm. and that's really all they all they want out of it. And you've got a couple of uh, real anomalies because <laughs> uh, you've got the federal government now also attacking Queensland at the same time for saying Queensland's ambition for renewable energy mm. is going to destroy everything and you know, the other mm. usual thing mm. that you mm. can't afford mm. it. Mm. At the same time as the same government is pushing this coal mine and pushing this railway mm. line, mm. and in South Australia you've got a similar situation where they're being attacked over their renewable energy at the same time as the the premier is pushing nuclear energy at a great rate or yeah. nuclear. Too. Certainly nuclear, nuclear dumping anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got all sorts of anomalies going on. Well, the, um, the, the business with, um, with the, you know, blaming renewable energy for the collapse of the, the um, South Australian power system, it's happened twice now in the last couple of months. Mm. And um, neither neither time was it actually renewable energy that caused the problem. It was the failure of the, um, of the supply lines. You know, From the, Victoria, powered yeah, by coal. yeah. Yeah, it was the failure of the um, of the supply lines. It wasn't the actual mm. form of energy that caused the problem. But somehow or other, the federal government's managed to turn that into into you know we'll blame renewable energy. It wouldn't have happened if the if the if the power going down the cables had been generated by coal. The there wouldn't have been a failure, which of course is complete and utter rubbish. Yeah, and when it, the second there's any blowout in South Australia, they immediately scream renewable energy approves yeah, it, bang yeah. bang. But when, for instance, in the recent storms in Victoria, parts mm-hmm. of parts of them, well, in fact, where I was in Brunswick, we had about an hour blackout one night last week. Wow. In that big storm the yeah, other yeah. Monday, yeah, yeah, we um, were only out for about an hour and a half or so, but we went down. But there are places that were out for three or four days in the eastern suburbs, mm-hmm. but no one says, oh, coal. No, exactly. Um, no, no. Gee, it must be the cause. Gee, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. It's 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 we we we're almost we're in this post post truth era, and you know you people you think you would know better like Turnbull, are just are just happily happily um, grasping grasping it. It's just extraordinary. Mm. He probably does know better, but he also oh. wants to keep his job. Well, so he's, he's just weak. Gee, he's terrified of that right wing. Yeah, wow. weak. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, uh, well, in fact, uh, someone this morning said that, because um, yeah, someone, well, someone of the ministers was questioned about the fact that Frydenberg in two days had completely turned mm. it on his head. Mm. And he said, well, we're listening to people who know about these things. So I assume that, that Christens, Christensen, or his name is in Queensland, mm. and mm. Uh, mm. Corey Bernardi and those people, they know about all this. Apparently, yeah. yeah and the people they listen to, of course, are people like Bolt. 
Yeah, yeah. Who really knows? knows who, who really knows? He knows oh, all yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the other bloke who writes the economic column there, um, Terry. Oh, McCran. Yeah, he's, yes, he's sort of um, popped up again. He's yeah, he's good at this area. Yeah, he, he loves yeah, this we, stuff. Yeah. Whatever we do in Australia is not going to count, so we may as well keep polluting. Well, I think that is. The, I think that is secret, the basic basic um, position underneath underneath all of the blather. That's their basic position. We don't it really doesn't matter about Australia. That's, that's what he actually says. Yeah, he, he says, says that. He, he says, says but, that. Yeah. But the others also believe it, but they don't actually say so, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the politician can't quite say that. No. <laughs> but, but on and the, the trouble positive. is, we're also the you know virtually the world's biggest exporter of coal. To you know. As well, so you know, surely that gives us some responsibility. Well, on the positive side, though, on similar matters, the um, the North Dakota pipeline was rejected, or was rejected to go through those territories. It's mm. going to be built, and it shouldn't be built at all. Mm. But the fact that at least um, they've saved it going through the the rocks, the Standing Rock Sioux country, right. and the sacred sites, although that may reverse once well, uh, Trump course. gets in, of course. Of course so yeah. let's hope it doesn't uh, get reversed. But at this stage, they've had a victory, mm-hmm. and it's a great victory because the whole state structure was turned and then you know corporate structure was turned against them mm, mm. Um, and indeed just just this week uh, even though this was a federal decision eventually the state was actually passing a law to make it illegal and with incredibly um, heavy mm, penalties mm. like long terms in jail just for people caught providing providing um, goods to mm, the um, mm. goods to the protesters. So if you were caught going into the camp <coughs> right. with goods that we'd be providing for them, right. um, you you stood to go to jail for a long, long time under a law they're about to bring in. Uh, so the, the, the whole state thing, and of course the bloke who runs it um, and, and the, the company itself, um, Energy Transfer Partners, he says this purely political decision flies in the face of common sense and the rule of law. He means, of course, the rule of capitalist law, his law. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not surprising that the president would again use executive fiat in an attempt to enhance his legacy among the extreme left, John, the extreme left yet again. Aren't they terrible? Obama, the extreme left. Yeah, apparently all those vets who turn up, as they call them over there, vets, you know, return people. 2,000 of them turned out to protest, so they must all be extreme left over there, these vets. Right, right. Yeah. But on similar things with Trump, etc., you'd be pleased to know a bloke called Gary Adamson. Yeah. He runs an estate agency in Cronulla, and uh-huh. he's planning to set up a new political party uh, to run in New South Wales because he's sick of the, pro- the problems that uh, landlords and small businesses get. He's going to push for lower taxation, etc. He's coming in in the wake of – he thinks he can ride on Donald's uh-huh. you know, tails. Yeah. And he uh, said a lot of people are fed up with the mainstream parties. The evidence can be seen in the recent election um, in America. The real estate and small business sectors contribute 60% of the tax but are not represented by either of the main parties. And he goes about the terrible way that landlords and and small business are treated in in, in New South Wales, in Australia generally. So he's got a big bit of a chance. Um, and, and Anthony Green, um, the the ABC analyst, uh, said yep. he was pretty sceptical. The, the, uh, this bloke had also run for the No Land Tax Party and got rolled last time, but now he's got this new party that's going to be you know, really, it's going to be called the Small Business and Landowners Party. Right. <laughs> and um, But he says, because um, they're complaining about land tax, but 
but Green says it's always the real estate industry forming political parties when it comes to land tax, but when you look at people paying land tax, they mostly come from the affluent areas. Gee, that's a surprise, isn't it? Well, yeah, well yeah. The, affluent, the affluent don't like paying tax, we know that. No, well, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> On the whole, they don't pay tax. They've got ways around it. It's hard. I think land tax is one of the difficult, most difficult to get around, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. poor dears. Yeah. Um, unless, <laughs> they can, unless they can cheat, like, you know... Um, interestingly enough, like um, Castro was was accused of stealing all this land off the big American companies mm, that ran mm, the banana mm, and sugar yeah, industry yeah. and made fortunes, and and left the people in absolute dire poverty. Yep. Uh, but he did compensate them. But what he did, and it was very clever. You you aware what happened? No, no. Uh, well, well, because these companies not only were making fortunes but also cheating on tax. Mm, mm. He assessed the value of the company on the tax on the tax they claimed, <laughs> <laughs> which was you know, which was bugger all, <laughs> and he, he paid them what what they said they that was worth right. in tax. Yeah, right. that's, 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 that's so cute. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so there you are. Um, yeah. There was a photo in the Age last week. Um, of, of a ceremony outside Parliament um, with Indigenous people mm-hmm. uh, as a as an event around um, domestic violence yeah. and all these other people out the front, shorten you know, government ministers and shorten. But I found it fascinating because it's a, it's against domestic violence, but they're laughing outside. I'll hold it up so people can see. Everyone can see the oh, yeah, there's Jenny, short, Jenny, you know, Macklin, Jenny yeah. Macklin. Now I thought. Jenny Macklin out there protesting about family violence, um, domestic violence. So she obviously doesn't consider reducing single parents to the dole and taking away their pension um, as being violent. Mm, I see what you mean. Because she's the minister who um, forced single parents onto the mostly single women, of course, but much, the much, onto the dole w- with the their kids. Yeah. At an age when their kids were much younger, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So there you are. Kept, yeah, very interesting. So I just thought that was interesting. Yes, yes. I've, ever since she did that, I want to wait. I want to keep pointing it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just let remind people who she is. <laughs> um, another one this week, John, that you'll find fascinating, because a couple of weeks ago, Andy, you'll recall, we had Trevor Grant in who has unfortunately got an asbestos disease uh, mm. and he sued um, he sued Hardy, the company, but he also sued the Herald Sun and the Age, whom he worked for as a journal, oh, okay. of course, for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he got enough money to get a particular treatment that's extended his life, but, I mean, it is terminal, unfortunately, for poor Trevor. And uh, but and we talked about the, the, the way that Hardy, is, you know, with this asbestos injuries compensation fund, most years they ask the government to contribute because they say they haven't got enough. Yes. Interesting story came out this week, um, pointed out the, the, their... Um, in their um, annual report, income taxes are not currently paid or payable in Europe, excluding Ireland, which, which they don't pay much anyway, or Australia due to tax losses. <laughs> Australian tax losses primarily result from deductions relating to contributions to the compensation scheme. The company pays, and this is not this is now not quoting them, but the company pays 35% of operating cash flow every year into the fund, and these contributions are tax deductible. So they pay into the fund for their own, you know, killing people and mm-hmm. murdering sure. people around the world. But then you, you can be ta- get tax deductions 
for what you're paying because you killed people, which is good. Um, and it is one reason why critics say Hardy has paid no tax in Australia. Um, and the Tax Justice Network and United Voice um, put out a statement saying James Hardy over the last decade paid an average of naught dollars in corporate tax in Australia and had an average effective tax rate of naught percent on average annual profits of $204 million. If James Hardy had paid tax at the statutory rate, it would have generated an annual $61 million in annual tax revenue. So there you are. This is the company that's killing people, paying no tax. Right. And, uh, so, so yeah. as usual, we're, we're subsidising their, uh, yeah. their bad behaviour. Mm. So one assumes the tax they'd pay to be a hell lot more than what they're putting into this fund mm, mm, mm. if they actually paid their taxes. Mm, It'd be, mm. be cheaper for the government mm. to supply the fund. And get the tax, I would have thought. Well, I, I always this is this is off the off the thing a bit, but um, I love the way um, say private businesses can can subsidise car racing and things like that. You know, they mm. use it's justified as being part of their advertising budget, uh, and so you know that 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 means they just claim that as um, operating expenses. You know, part of the advertising budget and claim tax. Yeah, and claim so you know uh, once again. So all the all the boys can have fun with their toys mm. is um, is um, you know just all done on the back of uh, the, the poor old taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, what's wrong with that? That's yeah. capitalism. Yeah. It's capitalism. That's the, yeah. that's the yeah. law the bloke in America is complaining about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. He's law. That's right. So the same with yacht racing, all those yeah. sort of things too. Of course, I mean all those yachts in the Sydney to Hobart yacht race are all you know corporate sponsored. Of course, they've got to be. No, no individual can really afford them. Well, not many individuals no. can afford to own them. Well, but and the, I mean, you've got the tennis centre, which is heavily subsidised, yeah. and we pay for most of the upgrades. Yeah. And that's yeah. I, I keep complaining about that. That's on land that has a working class history. Mm. The Yarra Bank speakers, the May Day marches mm-hmm. went there, and we've given yeah. it to them to run. Yeah. And uh, most people can't afford to go there. No. Um, or, or even if those who can, it's a bit like Flemington and Cup Week. It's really for the elite mm. in the in mm. the in the marquee areas and in the royal in mm. the boxes, etc. Mm. That's what it's really all about. Yeah. So the others are just incidental. They probably pay the money that allows them to uh, the others to do it for nothing mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. the big corporates. But it's, that's, so it's a good system. It works well. It's, oh, yeah. uh, give and take. Yeah, um, yeah, mostly, give and, give mostly take. we give and they <laughs> take. Uh, to quote an old and very bad joke. Uh, Yesterday's financial review was interesting, right, John. It always is, Kevin. Yes, but this was interesting in terms of juxtapositioning (laughs) because on page three they had a headline, loophole adds to the 4.6 billion super rip-off, and it's that story that's been in the news where companies are not paying and even people making... people making uh, sacrifices, salary sacrifices, the bosses were pocketing it and not uh, passing on, oh, et etc. So, God. you know, there's lots of that involved as well. Um, so 2.4.6 mm. billion is probably only the tip of. And dip, ditto, same page, missing corporate tax amounts to billions. Um, official estimates that will be the first time de- will be for the first time detail the loss of billions to corporate tax evasion and non-payment of the superannuation guarantee have been delayed, etc. But the tax office is due to publish an analysis that shows that at least three billion is uh, not being paid by multinationals. Uh, and the bloke from the um, bloke from the uh, tax, whatever it's called, mob. Um, said this would only be the tip of the iceberg anyway. Mm. Um, and in fact, what with the Tax Justice Network, 
And he said that it could be the conservative side. It's important that the ATO estimate how much tax that is cheated by multinational corporations is recoverable. Well, I think we can make the point, as I did on the week it was last night, that the amount recoverable would be close enough to zilch, I would have thought, John. Um, about, yep. about naught. Yep. Anyway, you go across the page, you go to the left of this case, but, oh, uh, well. but, but, but not, in, not in political terms, unfortunately, um, to page two, where Jennifer Hewitt, one of their very conservative commentators, mm. has an article saying the government is going to try to look really busy because of last year it lost you know, ground over the holiday. So it's going to work through the holiday to show that it really cares about the economy and the go- recovering money the government needs, etc., etc., mm-hmm. and boosting the economy. And it's got one big go now. I can assume you say, I know Andy's thinking to himself, obviously they're going to go for this loophole in super. They're going to go for... Um, the companies that are avoiding tax, right, Andy? That's your thought, isn't it? That's your yeah, <coughs> sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, it? yeah. I bet you can't take a stab at what they're actually going at. Uh, no, I don't um, know. no. Welfare chiefs. <laughs> Welfare no, chief. no, 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 uh, no. Yeah. Union thuggery and corruption. Uh, ah, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, right. And um, and one of the things where the unions are going to play into the government's hand is that they'll be applying for wage rises, and this will show how selfish they are and uh, give the government a chance to really attack them. Right, right, so, right. so, yet at the same time, business says, the Business Council keeps telling us that one of the problems in the Australian economy at the moment is slow wages growth. So I yes. would have thought if workers seek it, they're helping the government, helping the economy, aren't they? Well, that's right. We've got an, we're almost into this, um, um, you know, flat flat spot where there's not no growth and um, no inflation, and, and everybody everybody's getting a bit concerned by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, used to be, we used to be told, you know, that all inflation was bad, but now we're told, oh, no, 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 a bit of inflation's quite good. So here's unions trying to help and yeah, she yeah. gets stuck into That's it. That's right. Oh. And, you know, let's, let's not forget the bosses who, you know, in the executive suites and on the board of directors, they're all getting their, their 10, 10% what, pay, pay increases every year. Don't worry about that. There's <laughs> a separate story here, actually. I'm not going to read it out, but uh, Gina Reinhardt in her company, oh, yes. she slashed the um, amounts of money that executives are receiving by quite a substantial amount, but then the amount going to her and her family... It's gone is, it, no, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's unchanged. That's okay. That's, that's unchanged. Yeah, that's oh, okay. Right. That's right. okay. Now... A bit of sad news because we, we know that Corrigan, um, Chris Corrigan, who of course was at the centre of the maritime mm. dispute and then got back into it recently by taking over Cube, um, yeah, another oh, yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Chris is retiring. He's retiring as head of Cube, but he's going to stay on the board. Mm-hmm. But he's a bloke, a mate of his called Davies is going to take over. But, and, you know, he was almost in tears announcing his resignation as head because, you know, it's very sad for him, isn't he? He's had a life in this area. Um the bloke taking over Davies, mm. um, uh, it says that um, sick, well, Corrigan is the stockbroker turned investor banker who was lured to investment in the Stevedore business in, in, in business 1992. Six years later, he introduced himself to the nation as waterfront warrior. Warrior. <laughs> when, well, I suppose it's true. They all wore masks and they were trained in Dubai by military. Mm, so, yeah, true. that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. When Patrick Stevedores went to war with the Maritime Union, by then, with with rather less national infamy, Davies had already earned his stripes as a union buster. And Davies had worked in South Africa and others in the mining industry, came back to join Rio Tinto and oh, disco- right. discovered that the unions had far too much power <laughs> and he crushed them, um, crushed the unions. What a good man. And... Um, 
It goes on just very inter alia. The coal union's grip was broken and the rule book for union busting was written. Corrigan didn't have to read it. He just hired some of the people that helped Davies make the model. And two years after the conclusion of the hostilities on the waterfront that resulted in Corrigan being introduced to Davies, who had recently left Rio, and then Davies also joined Patrick's and worked with him there. (coughs) But this is an interesting bit because... Corrigan recalled on Thursday that one of those who arranged this meeting of minds, meeting of minds to crush unions, was a Freehills lawyer. And just, I'm sure our listeners know Freehills is the biggest anti-worker legal company that advises all the employers and government on anti-union stuff. A Freehills lawyer named Graham Watson. Yep, the guy who was now a sometimes controversial vice president of the Fair Work Commission. And I think it's worth mentioning that um, Watson's decisions... Um, he obviously, well, I'm not going to suggest he's biased at all because I'm sure he isn't, but he's, he always seems to get cases where the employer is 100% in, in, mm-hmm, correct mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. The, the bosses, the workers are. But yet you never hear the Herald Sun or Boltle Company saying that mm. there's that there's this you know there's this um, bias in the commission. They all, the only bias they talk about is the union people there who are clearly biased. Oh, of and, course, and, yeah, of course. And my experience of union people in those commissions is they go out of their way to prove they're not biased by, in fact, leading the other way generally. Um, whereas employer reps who go there just do mm. what they do. Do what they do. Yeah. So anyway, that's Graham Watson. But when he gets mentioned, I think I've mentioned him a few times, some of his decisions, because most of the big decisions that have gone against workers have been it's his. It's funny, you know, the, the, the periods of when Australia's had the best economic growth have been periods when the unions have had quite a lot of power. It's yes, funny, that, yes isn't it's it? interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the workers got a good, um, good proportion of the income. Therefore, they had money to spend, and therefore they could stimulate the economy, you know, in a way that the rich really can't because there aren't enough rich to really mm. stimulate. The That's economy. right. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing so, dilemma. You've got to pay workers. Yeah. You've got to workers enough to yeah. buy the goods they make. That's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, not yeah. not too much. No, well, so over, the, actually over the last getting, over the yeah. last twenty years or so, we've 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 got to that stage where the workers are getting quite a lot smaller share of the income cake, and uh, of course we we we're discovering the results. Yeah. 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 Now, the other thing about Corrigan is that he's going to continue to also work with a company called, um, an agribusiness called Webster, Mm -hmm. um, produces walnuts and cotton, um, and because I go to, I suppose, particularly with cotton, managing and managing water entitlements. Uh, He's going to become its executive chairman in February. It's personally quite fascinating. He said, I used to be a banker and then I got into logistics and now I'm making a late one at agriculture. He said, um, but he, he's he's into water big time, mm-hmm. and um, in this other article, in fact, he actually says um, there are a lot of intricacies in water. It is intellectually quite stimulating to gather the options and work out the best way of turning water entitlements into agricultural products, and then hopefully into money. So you know, here we are with this current debate around the Murray Goulburn, uh, the Murray Darling, yeah, yeah, the best way, to, the best um, way to screw the environment is basically what he's saying, isn't he? He's saying, yeah. Yeah, let's work out the best way to screw the environment. Yeah. My cotton needs all the water it can get, but yeah. but this water is being privatised, even though we claim that water is still a public property. Yeah, effectively, yeah. once you get entitlements and yeah. things, it's privatised. And there, there, just other, I won't read them, but other headlines in the last couple of weeks that run alongside um, Corrigan's art, mm, uh, comments. Mm, mm. Just this headline in the Financial Review, Water Plant Operator Trility on the Block, MS Mandated. How funds are making the most of water market chaos. Fury as water threatens to sink ABCC, because that's uh, one where um, 
that was one where Lion Hillman Company were holding out about. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Um, But there's whole sorts of uh, headlines about um, about the value of water now, and mm. we know it's valuable, mm. but of course it should stay in public hands. <laughs> That's the important thing. Isn't yeah. it? Can we talk transport? Yeah, think? we're going to move on. No, hang on. Twenty nine. Yes, we're up to twenty nine. Okay, <laughs> got, we're past twenty there, but all's well. We'll take a quick break, uh, Andy, and then we'll come back and talk to John about transport. He's starting to shake. <laughs> I'm starting to shake. Yeah. <laughs> You were invited to Sampari Exhibition in support of West Papua. Sampari Exhibition featuring a series of events celebrating West Papuan culture, supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Sampari Exhibition, art, film, debate, environment discussion, food and music. Opening Friday, December 2nd, 6pm, running to Sunday, December 11. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. More information, Sampari Exhibition, Facebook. Hosted by the Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter. Okay, John, we, I picked up a, a piece last week um, talking to Mark, Reimagine Urban Life, and this is Murvac, and I, I'll read it again. Murvac is an integrated urban property group and a key contributor to Australia's major cities. Our purpose to reimagine urban life in capitals, John, yep. helps to guide us not only in what we do and how we do it, but importantly, why we do it. We're inspired to think about how we can redefine the landscape and create more sustainable, connected and vibrant urban environments for our customers, leaving a lasting legacy for generations to come. When you think about urban transport and integration, do you think of Murbeck in Automatically, John. No, it's such a peculiar name. It always seems to me like it might be a you know a cleaning company or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they try to clean up. Move that. <laughs> Anyhow, that, well, that's that I'd mention that. Um, uh, yeah, I know they've been around. They have been around for a long time, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, they're still talking about what to do with a new tram route to Fisherman's Bend. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Um, Oh well, they um, they they have this fascination with taking it down down along the wharves in Docklands and then putting in some sort of a bridge over the um, over the river to get it into Fisherman's Bend mm. right down there. But that will mean the the bridge will have to be um, you know raised and lower. But, yeah, uh, but uh, not. yeah. Well, I mean, the other alternative is to use the existing Charles Grimes Bridge, mm. which mm. presumably would be a hell of a lot cheaper because the bridge is already mm. there. Mm. But then mm. the the transport people say, oh, but that's that could cause congestion at Lorimer Street or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Therefore, it's better. So yeah, the, well, there's <laughs> there's a move to go the other way, but obviously that's a much more expensive solution. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. But but it's, but it's, some of you find it fascinating that they have to design a you know opening a closing bridge down. Down along the river, you know, which mm. causes oh, all sorts of issues. Very yeah. nice, yeah. And of course, the usual problem is um, put light, light rail in fine, but everybody will scream about losing any road capacity. You know, if the um, the trams are given their pro- proper um, mm. proper right of way and that sort of thing, which of course they have to have to have, and the modern tramway has to have that sort of thing. 
Well, similarly in Turak Road, in fact, mm. that's been suggested um, because um, because of the metro thing. Yeah. They're going to have to build a tram line along Turak Road mm. and it's going to, in fact, connect with that 55 route that now yeah. goes from Domain to West Coburg through yeah. Royal Park. Mm. And that will then go up Turak Road and be extended to the number eight group, so mm. the number eight route. Um, this is an interesting move because they're talking about putting in stops, etc., which will really congest cars for that mm, period. Mm. So it it does seem they're going to give some priority there, at least in their early planning. Well, I think it'll be it'll transport. be similar to what they've done in Victoria Street, I think, um, where the, the um, yeah, but there'll only be one lane of traffic yeah, really. And Ackland yeah. Street has happened as well, hasn't mm, it? Now, mm, mm. Um, yeah. So that. And, of course, the, the, the RECB's screaming and yelling because there's going to be a lot of congestion. St Kilda Road, etc., mm, also is going to mm, be narrowed, and they're mm. saying, but all these routes already are so slow. There's, I think the average speed, they say, even now is 7K mm, or something mm, in peak mm, with cars. Mm. Um, but the RACB come up with another solution that was sort of a road solution rather than we need mm, to spend, mm, etc., mm, no, no public mm. transport again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know my views on the Melbourne Metro. I think it's a highly suspect project. Mm. And um, the um, chaos it's going to cause to build it is certainly turning out to be fairly monumental. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the RACB, of course, when, when a road holds things up, they say, ah, but it's mm, worth it for mm, the benefit we're going to get at the mm, other end. But mm. this one, they're saying um, it's terrible, mm, it shouldn't mm, happen mm, uh, because mm. it's public transport. Yeah, yeah, even though... Even though you know, the benefits yeah. of public transport are likely to be there for 100 years, which is hardly the case with roads. Yeah. Um, another interesting article was by a, an age columnist or an age journo who talked about the problem of um, being held up on trams when people don't know you, you don't have to touch off. A lot yeah. of people hold them up yeah. getting off. Now, yeah. I find this frustrating on Saturday morning coming home from the market because often mostly the, the, the tram just misses the train, so I've got to mm. wait 20 mm. minutes at Royal Park Station, which is one stop from the zoo. Mm. But all the tourists getting off at the mm. zoo all queue up to, t- to touch mm. off, and I wish mm. the driver would say you don't have to touch mm. off because mm. it holds mm. it up for ages, yeah. and I can sense the train about to come yes. and going to miss it. Uh, <laughs> yes, well, it's, we, I mean, you know, nice systems in the world. If you touch on, you touch off. That's that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 good old Japan, I'll just mention again that you, you go through barriers there. You put your you put your ticket in at the start of the barrier, and it comes out the other end so fast that the barrier doesn't have time to shut unless you say something wrong with your ticket. Mm-hmm. So they manage to do it um, in a way that doesn't cause holdups, at least on the trains. I don't know quite what they do on light rail, um, but I'm sure they they've got a bit more rational s- system than we've managed. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's there's just been a whole lot of an, an announcements about you know the fares are going up in a generalised way, but there are going to be some adjustments. Um, I think you're going to be able to be one year older as a child before you have to pay a fare. Yes, like it's that. very exciting. We'll come but to the, that, yeah, but all those yeah, all yeah. these sort of little little changes. But they're all they're all these little shuffles one way and the other. Um, but why? I mean, you know, you, you know, isn't the idea to find find a sensible, yeah. a sensible? You're not spot and st- your why didn't seek a serious answer, did it? Not should? really. No, no. 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 It's it, but, but they just love these. Little, they, they just love these little <laughs> shuffles, little changes here, a little change there. Um, it's 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 sort of there's like, there's no coherence 
coherence to, to anything much, really. No, I'll, 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 I'll mention another story I mentioned to you on okay. the phone last yeah, night, John, sure, yeah. shortly, but you reminded me of it. I wasn't going to, yeah. but anyway. Um, but uh, this bloke concludes his article, we still have a transport ticket system mm. that works like no other in the world, and to yeah. police it, we have goons who wrestle confused Mikey users to the ground in chokeholds. Yep. Why doesn't PTV, which is you know, authority, employ roving conductors to encourage people to use their Mikey properly and sell them a ticket when they haven't got one? Why don't we have a ticketing system that is fast, efficient and easy to understand. Why PTVY, he concludes. Yep, yep, yep. Speaking of, by the way, I must remember, I, I forget later, um, this is a personal message because <laughs> <laughs> Rick's no, the only way you can contact Rick is over this program pretty much. Uh, Rick, the, I'm sure you'll know what I mean. It's the Hurstbridge line 1119. 1119 to Hurstbridge is the go. Uh, <laughs> so that just gets rid of that little bit of social thing. Oh, the one I was going to mention, John, yeah, yeah, yeah. the like the other week I had one of those ads which is turn up in the paper about Wednesday or Thursday every week saying at the weekend these Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And um, the same ad had one but I just noted because of all sorts of lines involved, but but my particular line, sure. the upfield line, it said sure. between certain hours at the weekend, the upfield line will not go through the loop. Mm-hmm. The trains will not go through the loop. The trains will not go through the loop. Now, in the same ad, another section said at the times when the train will not go through the route, it said buses will replace trains on the upfield line for these hours. So in yeah, the same yeah. ad, they couldn't even get their ad together. No. Without, you know, like I would have thought one one bloke at the desk would talk to the other bloke at the desk and say, yeah, hang on, that's, yeah, that's yeah. contradictory, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. you are. Yeah, so they were giving you the information, but you had to read two different parts of the ad to... Uh, and then you had to be able to... Work out which was which. <laughs> deconstruct it. Yeah. I think I'd run... Because with, PTB uh, sure couldn't deconstruct their ad for you. I think I'd run with the bus bit just in case, because I think it's more likely. Well, but anyway... I think, so. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, again... because the bus can't go through the loop anyhow. So there you go. No, no, it can't. No, it well, probably can, but a bit rough. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and particularly if there's a train coming the other way um, that's actually running through the loop. Yeah. Um, Carol Skinner of Fitzroy wrote a letter to the Age recently, oh, yes. John, yes. and this is this is related to what we just said. On Saturday, buses replaced scheduled train services between Essendon and Craigieburn because of vandalism. Although there were no warnings when I arrived at Southern Cross or on Metro's website, I was denied entry to the bus at Essendon because I had a bike. I was told that this was due to safety considerations. I was left stranded in an unfamiliar area with no idea how to get to my destination. As I had not expected to have to ride far, I was not wearing bright clothing or a visibility vest. However, my navigation problems meant my only option was to mix it with the traffic on main roads. If you use a bike and also plan to catch a scheduled train, you have no idea when you leave home whether you will be ret- uh, you will return safely. It's a lottery, not a train service. Metro do not call them replacement bus services because they are not. Interesting yes. point. No, well, well, yeah, once again... Um Yes, I mean you would think that that that, that basic announcements would be made at you know stations like Southern Cross about what's happening happening further down the line. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I mean you just think what what on earth have we have we we got? You know, this is puerile that they can't do things like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Particularly as you keep saying, you know, there are wonderful systems around the world that never seem to have these problems. Mm. They have all these things. They have all these things covered. Yeah. And if, you know, and, and if they are going to have replacement buses or whatever you like to call them, they would announce them, and they would announce them all thoroughly, all the time. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, it, it just would not be this, this hit, hit and miss um, hit and miss sort of thing where, if, you know, the, the driver or the people in the control room feel like it, they might make an announcement. That's mm. just not... Well, as you just again, the other Saturday morning, I was waiting on Royal Park Station. You seem to do a lot of that. Well, coming home from the market, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they made the usual announcement that, um, you know, every now and again, they get up and say, I welcome customers, and uh, today we want to announce that um, metro trains are running on the upfield line, are running perfectly, everything's going well, et cetera, et cetera. And about a second later, they put an announcement saying, you know, whatever train I was waiting to catch has been delayed, it won't be here for another, you know, whatever. So, again, you know, they they had to interrupt interrupt telling you how good it was running to tell you the train was delayed. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Uh, well, I've got a little local experience on my station, Victoria Park. Nearly every, nearly all the loudspeakers have failed on Victoria Park station, <laughs> both platforms. You can probably, sometimes probably in Sydney with the footy team over the road <laughs> that used to play there. You can sort of hear announcements sort of vaguely in the in the far distance, you know, um, and you know, now there'd be the PSAs would be on that on that station every every night. Wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh well, no, they're not. I don't see them as much as I used to, actually. But I presume they must come around. Some. Yeah, they're round. But they're, well, they're on. Well, we're told that yeah. every station yeah. has two of them are there from six o'clock. That's o'clock. so. That's so. Although, yeah, maybe maybe I just haven't noticed them. But they they I used to see them all the time. I right. haven't seen them. Yeah. Anyway, because they hide yeah. in the cubby. No, maybe they yeah, lock themselves up. Yeah, um, yeah. But so I mean, I just just wonder. Well, perhaps they could um, re- report to whoever you report to that the. Um, Public address system has just about failed, but I, I'm not even sure where I'd where I'd report something like that. I mean, you know, with any confidence, anything has ever been done about it. There's no no possibility. Mm. No. I mean, what? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. 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 it's yeah. the same thing. And but this is one interesting comment I thought because you went back to that price rise coming yeah. in for yeah. next year again. Yeah. Extra eighty dollars for an annual adult Mikey pass. Yeah. Um, but it, it's going up for full fare um, customers. It's mm-hmm. going up to $4.10 for a two-hour one. Mm-hmm. And as Daniel Bowen from the Public Transport Users Association points out, um, you know, if you just want to take a very short trip somewhere mm-hmm. for a bit of shopping or something mm-hmm. and you're going to pay four ten, you're more likely to jump in your car and do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a real disincentive. Mm-hmm. And I would have thought that $8.20 for a daily ticket is becoming pretty expensive particularly if you're a family with kids mm. going out somewhere. Um, and um, and if you're a worker even, you know, yeah. using it every day, that yeah. adds up. Yeah. Well, well, there are weird... There, well, you see, the the free, the free zone in the centre of the city causes interesting ch- changes too. That means that there are a lot of people who think, oh, I can drive my car to the edge of the city, park fairly cheaply, and I can then get a free, a free tram into into the heart of the city mm. for work. And apparently the congestion on the trams in the, in the, in the CBD did, did go up spectacularly once the free, free zone free was zone, brought in. Yeah. But, but you see, the free zone is of no benefit to people who already use public transport because they're, they're still paying for it, really, in a sense, they're still paying for it in their, in their daily ticket. The only people really benefiting from the free zone are people who, who don't use public transport yeah. On a regular basis. Yeah. So is that is that is that at all rational? No, it isn't. And the, and, the, and, the, yeah. and the the fact that we've now only got the two zones beyond the free zone, you know, we've got zone one and zone two, means that that uh, the fares are very very chunky. 
and uh, but there's a big there's a big drop if you go if you can manage to get yourself from zone two into zone one and get on the tram or train in zone one um you've you've saved a lot of money so that so there's even even encouragement the way things are organized at, at the moment for people to try and drive till they're inside zone one and then get a tram rather than go to the yeah. nearest nearest railway station, station or, or tram yeah. tram yeah. stops further out there's there's something quite wrong with with ending up with a system that's so has got so few zones um and it still and it also means that if you happen to be travelling over the zone boundary you know not maybe no. No, and there is a sort of a an overlap zone yeah. but even that's chunky you know everything gets really clunky so if you're travelling from you know i don't know not in the in the middle suburbs you can end up paying for a zone 1 2 ticket which doesn't actually take you that far Whereas you could go much farther in the in zone two. I thought two. they sort of dropped the zoning thing to someone. Well, they've like only got two zones now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's got. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it sort of looks good, but it but it means that everything gets ch- clunkier and clunkier, and some people are really pen- penalised. I I, um, I I think that they need probably still need zones because it's too complicated to sort to have fares to, to every station, but. That that they really do need quite a few more zones. Just a standard fare, and and well, well, you see, do you want a standard fare so that you can travel forty kilometres for the same price that well, that you paid to travel five kilometres? I mean, that's not really yeah. fair either. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, even if you are in the inner suburbs and we're told how much how much public transport we've gotten, therefore we should pay more because we're public transport rich. That that only you can only justify that to a certain degree. Because if you lowered the fares and everyone paid a much lower fare, you'd probably get a lot more people on it and you'd probably make more money, actually. Yeah, but well, um, but they're already pretty congested, at least at peak Yeah, they, well, they've got, to improve, I mean, I mean, they've got to provide a better service, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't see why, you know, a computer-based system couldn't... Um, couldn't couldn't work out a fare that um, yeah, we're you know, dealing with public a, transport authority. Yeah, well, we pe- apparently yeah. we're dealing with a very, a very yeah. uh, basic computer system. Yeah, computer system. Yeah, you got you've been doing it better for years. You keep forgetting that little point. <laughs> <laughs> we're dealing well, with one of the most moribund bureaucracies ever 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 put on earth. <laughs> uh, speaking of, <laughs> certainly, some, certainly looks why, like that why I raise the fares particularly, and they're, they're certainly raising them. That's the important point. Mm. The fares are right there. They are. The story is the fares are increasing, John, isn't it? Yes. That's, that's the story. Okay. Because yes. the Transport Minister, uh, Jacinta Allen, said the yes. changes would make things. Now, three things that would make them, John. Mm-hmm. Simpler, fairer, mm-hmm. and cheaper. Whoa. How does cheaper come in? Oh, well, it'd be better read on. I mean, I'm sure Jacinta That's it. Doesn't she explain? That's the last paragraph. Oh, okay. Simpler, fairer, and cheaper to travel oh, okay. on public transport. Oh, okay. How oh, is it cheaper to travel on public transport when you put the fares up? Oh, well, Jacinda probably knows a way. <laughs> or simpler, given what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, see, there's other interesting things. Or easy, fair. Like if you... Fair is if right, fair if, if you travel a certain distance on the V-line system, you tend to pay quite a lot more than if you travel a similar distance on the outer reaches of the Met system. Why should that be the... Well, you know, e.g., travelling from Pakenham to the city mm. apparently is quite a lot cheaper than travelling from Bacchus Marsh to the city when they're similar distances. Because one's V-line, presumably. Mm. And, and, and V-line trains run much less frequently than, than Met trains, but people pay, pay a lot more money. Mm. 
But you use micing on that train, don't you? Just, oh, yeah, but you're still paying it still a doesn't for, adjust yeah. to, uh, no, 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 silly no, me. Again, no. I'm dealing, yeah, I've yeah. fallen for the same trap. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It's it's to me it's it's got completely muddled. I mean, you know, they're now using V line trains to provide Met type services. You know, there's a lot of that going on. And typically, the new stations on the new line to Geelong, you know, Tarnit oh. and um, yeah, and Vale, they, yeah. they sort of get a Met type service, but they're being provided by V line trains. And of so course, they're, oh, are they paying more as well? They? Well, they pay V line types fares. Yeah, yeah. gee. Yeah. Mm. Ridiculous. So it's a, it's a real mess. Mm. We've got a note from. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I've got no idea. I'll read it. Someone might be able to explain it to me. An old timer still looking for a bed in the church rang and left a message for the Reverend Healy. If you hadn't, if you hadn't have left the old working class slums, you wouldn't have a problem with public transport. What working class? I'm living. You're living, bro. Anyway, P.S. Our grandparents were the original yuppies who moved to the suburbs for for a breath of fresh air. Anyway, that's his message. I read it out. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, Melbourne was one of the first cities in the world to get suburbs, you know. And um, and that was only only possible when when the horse tram started running and the cable trams and things came in. And, you know... Suburbs like Fitzroy and Collingwood were some of the first in, mm, yes, first yes. in the world where mm. a worker could have a little cottage on a little bit of land. Yes, which yeah. became incredibly expensive in prime mm. real estate, except the ones they tore down and put high-rise plates on, That's which right. they now regret, I'm sure, because mm. that, that real estate would be worth a fortune. Mm. They were called slums then. Yep, a lot of uh, that. Which is in that uh, that comment by, yes, there you are. Yeah. Um, now, John, again, yeah. um, speaking of V-Line, mm. major problems this month again with uh, boom gates not working properly. Yeah. Warnable Line, Achuka, yeah. one at Tarolgan, I think, um, but whatever. They're, yes. they're um, coming down late and and they actually closed a couple of the lines yes. for a few days to try and yes. sort it out. This, yeah. this sounds like a pretty serious problem, although um, <sighs> they do come down, but they come down late, that's all. Well, you know, the problem's been a problem for 20 or, 20 or 30 years. And they just never seem to be able to fix it. They just seem... Uh, uh, again, you just, you, just, you just end up wondering what, what on earth, you know, is the... Um, what, what on earth is, uh, do the technical departments do in these organisations, mm. you know? Because they don't seem to ever be able to resolve these things properly. I mean, I'm waiting for the, um, you know, the the wheels wearing stuff to flare up again. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they've forgotten to start to keep greasing all those sharp curves, and and you know, the the uh, yeah. the wheels will be worn again <laughs> in a few right. months, and we'll be back where we started. Back. I mean, I, I, you do you just you do sort of wonder, um, you know, these technologies are not are not advanced. They're very basic. The, the sort of things that run run you know the barriers on level crossings. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're used in you know two hundred countries around the world. Um, I don't know which technology we use. I think it looks like it might be the same they use in the USA. Well, I've I've never, in my reading of the, of the USA rail press, ever come across anything that suggests that 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 the railroads in the US have these sort of problems on a mass scale. But we seem to have them on a mass scale, you know, every six months. Yeah, yeah, and and then. But they've also put um, speed restrictions on the um, Geelong Warnable section of the track. Um, 29 crossings on the line where oh, drivers God. have been instructed to slow down to as low as 40k in the worst cases. 
says trains normally uh, run at speeds of up to 115. However, concern among train drivers about poor track condition led to this being mm. reduced to 100. Yeah. And they're instructed to go to as low as 40 in some places due to inadequate sighting distance at line of sight problems. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a problem that really isn't part of public transport. That's about designing, surely, the crossing so people well, can see. I mean, Well, I yes and no. Um, um, if there are barriers... You know, the sighting di- distance shouldn't be an issue for either. No, that's right. I mean, it's, I mean that that bit I can't quite understand no. because if the thing comes down, then you should stop. Yeah, 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 and 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 that that's right. It's it's um, it's. I mean, okay. The trouble is that people have, have got used to not stopping for the flashing lights, of course. Yeah, and of course, if they if the flashing lights have malfunctioned and, and come on when there isn't a train. And if that happens to you, to you a few times on a crossing somewhere on the, in the depths of the countryside, you do get tempted to, mm. to just drive through, and kill kill yourself and your, your family. Um, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, the idea is that the trains the trains have priority. I'm afraid that's what that, that that's always been the view. That's always been the way level crossings have worked. But if you're starting to slow the trains down to as low as 40, 40 kilometres now, maybe the train should uh, should stop and let the cars go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. All right. Now, the Herald Sun mm. has had a recent series about um, future Melbourne going on for several days. Oh, yeah. But it involved a survey of readers, and one would assume that Herald Sun readers would be pretty... I'm sure they all wanted the East-West link. Public, yes, roads and roads and roads. So yeah. the most surprising thing, I think, yeah. um, is um, almost half the respondents spent an hour or longer getting to work in the CBD each day, while one in four readers nominated... This is 25% of their readers, which is amazing public transport ahead of all other issues that they would address if they were the Lord Mayor or Premier. Yeah. 25% of Herald Sun readers reckon public transport... Well, I mean, when when people are asked what's the most important thing to fix in Melbourne, they they almost always, you know, public transport comes out ahead of everything else. Yeah. And gee, don't we do a good job of fixing it? Oh, terrific. Really wonderful. Yeah, we've been been talking about this for (laughs) yet another year, John. (laughs) And this time next year we'll be... Saying well, the same thing. It's, it's, <laughs> it is it is bewildering because it's it seems that the most the best they can do is to sort of bring it up to a you know stagger along you know to the edge of stagger along for another year till we find a major a ma- another major problem. I mean, the other day, for instance, the overhead tram wires at the intersection of Flinders and, and Swanson Street snapped. I mean, you know, mm. on the most busiest section of the whole thing, presumably which is maintained within an inch of its life. Well, no, yeah. it can't be maintained within an inch of its life or you they wouldn't find those No, sort of that's right. It's um, maintained within about uh, two miles of its life mm. or something. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Negus, by the way, says we need to have uh, more funding for toll roads, etc. Right. Yes, that's, he's the RACB. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, so I'm, in, I'm in... My mate from the RACB, Brian. I'm in favour of... Um, of, of Road pricing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, so is Brian. He's, yeah, yeah. yeah, you've yeah. Got, got, to, got to find money for roads somewhere, he said. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, the whole... But the other thing the, you can use road pricing for is, of course, you know, ma- managing the amount of traffic on the roads in peak hours so that 
so that you don't put more traffic on the roads than it can handle. No, Brian doesn't go for that one. He wouldn't Being, like that no, one. No, 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 don't no. be silly. Um, the one and a half million for City Link. Finally, the government's given us money. Uh, given this money. Yep. Uh, a whole lot of projects. A whole list of them here. Yep. Um, one and a half billion. Mm-hmm. Um, now this Murray. Is from the feds, Murray. Yes, this was the money that was supposed Murray to Murray Basin there. Freight Rail Project. Oh, major yes, yes. major upgrade of freight rail in the Murray region. Yeah. Um, that's the only one. Everything else in that whole page of works yep. are major road works. Mm-hmm. Monash Freeway mm-hmm. upgrade stage one, stage two. Mm-hmm. M80 ring road upgrade, urban congestion package, and there's all a lot of them there. Rural and regional roads package. Incredible number of roads. Yet again, all this money going to roads and public transport, an upgrade of a freight rail in the Murray Basin region. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the money that was supposed to go to East Wrestling, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, which the the federal government's been using a bit of blackmail about for a Mm. couple of years, Mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, just thought I'd mention. I was that. fascinated, you know, the last week was it the um, the basically the Westgate Bridge closed, you know, sorry, the West Westgate Bridge, whatever, Westgate, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, the West. I think it was the Westgate. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of the oh, very the, very bad the, crash. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there were people blathering that somehow the East East West Link would have helped, would have helped move that traffic. Yeah, the truck oh. wouldn't have the truck wouldn't have been there to have the accident a little bit on the East West Link. So. Oh, even yeah. though the West, East West Link was is about ten kilometres away from yeah, that's there. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we we've been saying right through there's so, there's so much logic in our transport system, John. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was I was just totally bemused. I mean, in fact, the you know the government's alternative, you know, the thing they want to do in the West, the Western distributor thing, that would have actually been of some use. Mm. But, uh, but our times. But up. of course, it probably would have been also congested at the same time because, yes. of course, it was peak hour. Right. Exactly. <laughs> our times up. But look, yes. thanks for thanks for another year of all this. Another year next year, John. Oh, of all so this, fun. as yes. I said earlier, we'll yes. probably be saying the same things this time next year. Um, yep. Let's hope we're not though. Let's hope something oh, magical. We can, we can only hope. Yeah. I think it'll be magical. Yeah. Say goodbye. Thank Andy for doing a great job. Hey, thank thank you, Andy, for oh, it's looking a pleasure. after us. No worries. <laughs> thank you very much for coming in. Being so so pleasant and good. Kevin, have a good Christmas. Thanks, John. You too. Yep. Yep. Christmas and greetings or season's greetings to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go and buy a couple of bottles of the three C R Red. Oh yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring. My summer wine is really made from all these things. We are so lucky at 3CR. Artisan winemaker extraordinaire Luke Lambert has given us some wine to share with you. It's $15, folks. That's a major bargain. There's Shiraz, Chardonnay and Rosé and you can drink it all summer long and toast 3CR. Call us on 9419 or you can go to the 3CR website and look for the 3CR shop. Cool, that sounds easy. So are we posting it out? No, you've got to come into the station. Just make sure you come in before the 23rd of December. Awesome. It's going to be perfect for those hot summer days. Strawberry.